Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the Holtcast. Jack Grimsley alongside Robert Lintot, as always. And today we have a special guest, Zito Medu. You can see him, or you've probably seen him on Twitter at FatonV2. But uh, yeah, he writes for, for SB Nation, and he's an Arsenal fan, so we thought it would probably be appropriate to bring him in this week. So thanks for joining us, Zito. Uh, we're glad that you could make it here. Uh, are you trembling in your boots for fear of Aston Villa coming to the Emirates? Oh yes, I'm. I'm so scared right now. You guys <laughs> score like so many goals. <laughs> I I don't know how your defense can possibly hold us back. Oh, you guys have what's his name, Carlos Gill, who's scoring yeah. 25 yard goals now. So there's that. Exactly. Yeah, we 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 can expect to see a lot more of that. Um, <laughs> Well, I think, I think Arsenal's going to try to stop him. They just bought Gabriel Paulista from Villarreal, actually a central defender. I know a lot of Arsenal fans were were on Wenger's back for a while, really. They wanted wanted central defense help in the summer, didn't get any. Think that's going to be a good signing for you guys? Uh, well, with the way that our center backs are built, or the ones that we do sign, I'm pretty sure he's going to get injured like 30 minutes into the game if he plays. <laughs> Or he's just going to be like some guy who doesn't understand how to play defense. And then, you know how that turns out. What's our, look at like our last previous center back signings except for Koscielny. It's been terrible. So, I'm not, I'm not too optimistic, but it could be a nice surprise. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think Callum Chambers was a good purchase, but he's not really even a center back though. But, um... But I mean, I guess I guess what I what I kind of wanted to bring up about Arsenal was they they switched they played the four one four one against City and played pretty deep actually a lot deeper than they they usually defend and it it worked they won two nil obviously so I mean um, do you do you think we'll see more of that from Arsenal I guess they in maybe in bigger matches they go with that when they're they know they're not going to be able to dominate obviously against Villa though. They'll play higher up the pitch and see a lot of the ball. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I think if we're playing uh, teams like City and teams like that, and from what I've heard, it was actually the players' decision to actually sit a lot deeper and play like play on the counterattack like that rather than the managers. So I think the players are, you know, they're making their decisions on the pitch. And against big teams, I think we'll see a lot more of that, especially in the Champions League when we. You know, when we start getting into the knockout rounds. But against Villa, if we play like that, I'll be really disappointed because I actually want to see, like, six or seven goals, right? <laughs> yeah, no well, I mean, like you're saying, the Champions League, they did they did the same against Dortmund in the fall when they when they beat them. And so, yeah, I think I think it's obviously a good strategy in, the, in those matches against a bigger team. But, um, you know, we've, we've seen a pretty... Reinvigorated Villa defense this year, and Robert, do you think you think six or seven is going to be possible? There's no way I think you're getting six or seven on us. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 just the way the the defense has been playing. You know, we're going to have Kieran Clark and Yoris Sakura, who have been rock solid in the center there. It's a it's a match where you get two or three, I think. But um, you know, when we played you guys back in the fall, you got three goals in what was it, six minutes or something like that? Yeah. But, I mean, that was a match where half the team were literally puking in the tunnel or 
you know, on the sideline or something as they were sick. Uh oh, Zito seems to have dropped out there. Yeah, they, I I heard a buzz. Might have just disconnected him or something, but we'll we'll see if he comes back. But, um, but yeah, I don't think there's any way it's a six or seven goal match. I you know, it took rampant sickness for Arsenal to score three against Villa in the fall, and the defense. And it, it was like now. once they once they put the first one past, it was like, well, we're not gonna hold them to nil nil, so whatever. Yeah, exactly. So I I don't see six or seven, but. Uh, I, I can see why you would be optimistic about it. Um, is there anything in that Villa attack that gives you any worries, Ito? Well, except for Carlos Gill actually gives me a lot of worries. It's not Gabby anymore. He used to, I think he used to be the one when he was like actually pretty fast, or he had other attributes than being pretty fast. When, when he but, had a first touch, you mean? <laughs> yeah, when he was an actual, you know, athlete. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Christian Benteke, were you at all? Uh, well, yeah. I think he... He must have a terrible connection. Um, what do you think, Jack? Does Benteke get it together for this match? I th- Benteke's got to score eventually. You know, like, what, just the three goals, or just the two goals this season now. Vyman has four, and Gabby somehow has three. I would have loved to see Gabby in his day go against Mertesacker, because that, that would have just been hilarious, but... Yeah, oh, that would have been, yeah. been not fair. That would have been not fair. I mean, I guess you, I guess you could still try it on Ultimate Team or something, but like, I don't know. But yeah, like, anyways, Benteke, he's got to score because he's earlier in the season we saw him struggling and come close a lot of times. Other times he just looked disinterested. But I, I don't know. I think he's due. Yeah, didn't he just come back from that knee injury this year, or whatever? Yeah, he had an yeah. Achilles. He had an Achilles tear. I don't know what's happening to Porzito. His connection is uh, rubbish here. Uh, but that's okay. Uh, yeah, Benteke coming back from that Achilles tear there. Uh, like you said, a few years ago, Gabby against Mertesacker could have been great to see, um, but not now. It's Gabby's junk. Do you think Gabby even gets the start, Jack? Yeah, no, I don't think he does, and that's probably just because of how, how well Villa played in the Cup without him. I think it it'd be hard to change that lineup too much outside of seeing, obviously, Brad Guzan come back in for Shade Given. Uh, maybe Bakuna, Bakuna doesn't start, but and Westwood probably comes back in, but... Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Since we keep losing you, Zito, <laughs> hit us yeah, with... I have no idea what's going on. It's probably just my connection here. <laughs> That's Detroit, right? So, uh, <laughs> so, so since we keep losing you, hit us with your your keys to the match for Arsenal. Uh, keys to the match is if we just don't collapse defensively, which we are known to do. If we can actually play to our level rather than playing, no offense, but to you guys, the Aston Villa's level. And Cazorla, uh, if he keeps playing the way he's been playing, I think we win that match easily. But if he like just gets fat all of a sudden, then yeah. Uh, yeah, he played he played really well defensively last time out too. Yeah, I think his time on playing at the wing is giving him a lot more, I don't know, like discipline on being able to track back and things like that. Even though he's like the smallest guy, he should be getting pushed around. He's actually very good at tracking back. So just that that low center of gravity, you know, makes him hard to hard to throw over. <laughs> yeah, but. Yeah, I think I think we should. It should be an easy win. No offense. <laughs> none, none taken. 
Well, yeah. as long as, as long as Wenger decides to start well back, he's he always kills us. But um, really, really, I think the player that worries me most is Alexis Sanchez, for obvious reasons. Yeah, he and, he could be sort of a bugabear for this team. Um, and obviously, you don't want to see Walcott and, I mean. They ju- they just have so many attacking talents now that they've decided to spend money on players like Ozil and like Kazola and like yeah. Welbeck. Absolutely. The one thing that doesn't worry me about this match, Zito, is the one thing that we've seen in the past from Villa, which is, you know, a total collapse against the bigger teams. I don't think we see that coming this week. Um, and I think Villa can hold their own for a little bit. Do you see Arsenal as a club that are going to get desperate against? a crappy team like Villa and, you know, maybe do stupid things? Oh, yeah, definitely. That's us. If we can't <laughs> score and it starts, uh, it gets in, like, the 80th minute, we're going to push everybody up and you guys could probably get two goals off a counterattack. Hopefully, we've already scored by that point. But, yeah, that's that's Arsenal. That's, that's us. <laughs> yeah, that seems to be sort of the Villa MO this year. If they give up a goal, they're sort of doomed, but... If they can hold it until, you know, the late stages of the game, they, they've got a chance at eking out a point against one of the big sides like yours. Um, psychologically speaking, what is it like as a fan coming into a game you know you should win? Because I literally can't remember the last time I felt that way about Villa. <laughs> well, it's it's almost the same as being an Arsenal fan because it's, it's a weird feeling. At this point, I don't think there's a game that we think we're going to win. <laughs> because it's just like you go into a game thinking that you're gonna win and then you lose like four one or get destroyed three zero by Stoke or something. So it's just like <laughs> at this point you just go into the game just like and like really, really anxious regardless of who you're playing. I think that's how most of the Villa fans uh felt as we played Burnmouth this week in the FA Cup is, you know, a team you should beat and it makes you all the more anxious for it. Yeah. Um, it strikes me as if Arsenal haven't performed quite to expectations this year, which seems to be sort of a yearly theme with Arsenal. <laughs> uh, would Are they capable of challenging for top three this year? Nope. <laughs> I guess not. Nope. The mere mention yep. of it made him drop away. <laughs> um, what do you think, Jack, in the meantime? Well, he, he looks to reconnect. Can Arsenal make that top three run this year? I, yeah, I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna come down to Arsenal, uh, United, and Spurs really for that third spot. I don't think Southampton are gonna hold it, but I mean, it's it's difficult. It's difficult to call. I think I think none of those three teams are gonna break into the top two, but that that third spot really is up for grabs. You think Arsenal can get it, Zito? No. Oh yeah, I, that's that's what we do. I think we'll get it like the last five match days or something. Yeah, just just absolutely, you know, go on a tear and manage to secure yourself third place. Yeah, that, that's us. <laughs> that's, fourth place is a trophy, and first place is like our FA Cup celebration. <laughs> um, have you been happy with the way Arsenal have played this year? No, of course not. We're so much more talented than a lot of teams in the league. Like, we should be... Right now, we should be like three or second, but you know, here we are. This is a it's an every year thing. So at this point, you either get used to it and accept that as long as the current situation is the way it is, this is just how it's gonna be, 
Or you just get angry at every match that we play. Kind of like Milan. <laughs> kind of like every team that I support. <laughs> it always strikes me as if Arsenal are like a smarter, slightly better version of Spurs. Yeah, we're the, we're the older brother. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Just, like, y'all should be better. Each each of those clubs should be better by about one or two places every year. And yet something always happens that just holds y'all back. Um, are you with a lot of Arsenal fans thinking that it's time for Wenger to move on, or is it something else that's holding him back? I think we're pretty much divided now. It's at the peak where half of the people think he should move on, and then mm -hmm. half are still supporting him. It's like not many Arsenal fans... In, can see Arsenal without him. So it's kind of hard to say, hey, move on when he's the only thing that you know. It's like, it's like breaking up with your high school sweetheart at this point. You're, you're just so comfortable. It's like, no. It's, 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 uh, it's kind of scary to be alone at this point or look for somebody else. <laughs> I, think, I think what they need to do is let him spend more because like with Ozil and Sanchez, like players they've spent a lot of money on, they've obviously turned out to be uh, quite good. So if I mean, if they can continue to allow him to spend in like the thirty million range instead of buying buying some cheaper players, I think they'll they'll continue to have six Maybe that. <laughs> Say again. I said some seventeen-year-old Norwegian player that plays uh, defensive mid that we just bought. Yeah, that should that should uh, propel them to the title. And, I mean, uh, gonna... really, if you think they could win the title if they bought Pogba? Oh, I think anybody moves into the title if they bought Pogba. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a whole midfield by himself, so, yeah. Just All one right. of the most exciting players around. I, in, in case people are wondering why we randomly pulled him in, Zito wrote about Pogba the other day. In a really great article, uh, we'll make sure to link it. But go find it. It's a it's a really good read on Bogba. All right. Uh, and God, um, everyone should be loving that guy. Yeah. Before before we let you go, uh, I guess you said six or seven goals earlier. But do you have a prediction? <laughs> uh, five two. Five uh, two. Uh, nice. You think we'll score two? Yeah. Five, two. <laughs> oh, I... we're Arsenal. We're gonna give you two. <laughs> <laughs> I. I am floored by both of those numbers. I don't think there's any way Arsenal score five, and the idea of Villa scoring two in the league is crazy go nuts. Okay, you're gonna see when Arsenal just like fall apart in the last ten minutes. You guys score two goals, and then we're still like trying to score, and then we finally get one more at the end, and it turns out to be five two. <laughs> I'm putting that in as a bet. All right. You're, you're uh, first. I, I yeah exactly. <laughs> When, when you quit SB Nation because uh, you are now a filthy rich man, uh, we'll know what happened. <laughs> All right. Yeah, when, when you finally get to retire. <laughs> I'm always retired. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for joining us, Zito. You can catch him on Twitter at v 2 And, yeah, so that's that was Arsenal, I guess, and now we'll backtrack to the last time Villa actually won, which, as a matter of fact, was just a couple days ago. Not really used to that. But anyways, we're, we're into 
the fifth round of the FA Cup after that 2-1 win over Bournemouth at home. It, it got kind of dicey late in the day. <laughs> like, Yeah, it got a little bit closer than we expected. And, uh, stoppage time comes around and Bournemouth just getting a ton of pressure. And even they get the one goal and I kind of forgot. I, I published the... The Twitter link at first it said Villa two 0 and people were like, "Did you did you even watch extra time?" And I was like, "Yeah, I just it was crazy." No, <laughs> it happened all of a sudden. Um, it it was one of those things that I was really shocked since I didn't get to see the second half uh, live. I get to watch it afterwards, but I didn't get to see it live. It's one of those things that if you had told me Burnmouth had scored a goal, I would have said we lost or had a replay. So it was sort of shocking to see that uh, we got the win because of those two goals. Um, I don't feel like the defense really screwed anything up in that last goal. It was just sort of desperation from Burnmouth. Yeah, and it was bound to happen with the way they were playing. I mean, they probably deserved a goal long yeah. before that. Yeah, and they're bombing up the pitch. They're, they're a club that are built on just bombing up the pitch and scoring scads of goals. Um, so it makes sense that Villa gave one up. And, and I don't think there's any shame in giving up a goal to Burnmouth. It's, you know, not a big deal not keeping that clean sheet. Um... But the thing that put us in the position to get that win were the first two goals, and my God. I, yeah. I mean, it was just a complete complete shock, just out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, you, how much money would, would you have ever put money on Carlos Hill scoring uh, before this match? Uh, I mean, maybe, just because we know no one else was going to score. That's true, and he was and he was making his full Villa debut, and Villa yeah. debutants do score a lot. Yeah, I mean, so uh, probably not, just because you wouldn't have, you wouldn't expect really anyone to score, but I guess uh, if someone had to do it, Slim and then pickings, then, then Vyman had a really good goal too. Yeah, absolutely. Slim pickings, I know, but is Hill's goal the goal of the season for Villa thus far? Oh, so far, easily, easily. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the best out of, what is it now, 11, 12, 13, 14. One out of 14, he's got pretty good odds. Yeah, but but it's it's definitely one of the, could be maybe even the goal of the FA Cup, you know? Yeah, it's it, it was a beautiful, beautiful goal. Um, you know, just coolly took that shot from the outside. As Adam pointed out today in his little tactics post, though, that entire thing was set up uh, by Leandro Bakuna. Have you had a chance to read that yet, Jack? Yeah, and and I think Bakuna, Bakuna on the right. I mean, normally he's a right back, but playing a little farther forward, he's he's shown that he's good going forward and good attacking. He had five goals in the league last year, and yeah, I think he has good combo play with Hutton on that right side, and maybe we could see him used there again because I mean, obviously Gabby hasn't done anything, and with Vyman actually scoring, maybe maybe he's taking a claim at to be in the starting lineup. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Hutton, again, with that overlapping run with Baguna there, you know, showing more attacking acumen than almost anyone else on the team. Yeah, uh, the, he has a lot of intent to go forward, and, I mean, his his, crossing, his crosses aren't the best, but they're not the worst, so... Yeah, exactly. I think and you he, he gets forward at good times. He's never been caught out and just burned by the left winger. Exactly, yeah. And and it's always forward with intelligence, with you know, with an eye towards what he's doing. It hardly ever seems to be 
getting forward just for the sake of getting forward. Yeah, yeah, it's it's nice when someone actually looks like they know what they're doing, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And as Adam pointed out, it was it was that Bakuna passed to Hill, which suddenly drew three defenders right to Hill because he was the single most dangerous looking player on the pitch for Villa, and that opens up Hutton to make the run. It gives Bakuna time. Hill just passes it right back to Bakuna, up to Hutton, and then into Hill. And it's that one little pass, like Adam points out today, that makes it so effective. And and it's that sort of intelligence that we haven't seen in the attack from Villa this year. Yeah, and, and Hutton's cross um, assisted the Vyman goal as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, it, team play, the likes of which we haven't really seen. You know, after the, after the match, everyone said the Vyman goal was a really great team goal. Oh, for and, sure. And I think that's discrediting the work that went into making that Hill goal happen. Yeah, but I, I just the, the whole spell of build that played before the Vyman goal was, was pretty incredible, really, I think, is is really what got people talking about that, even though, like you're saying, the just the few passes right before the heel goal were, were just as amazing. Yeah, and Andy had himself a great day. I mean, he was a few inches away from having a brace. Yeah, early on he, he had just missed, and I mean, that's, that's really encouraging to see from him, who's, he had a couple goals earlier in the year and then just disappeared, really. Yeah. I think the one thing that we can say with some certainty after having seen him for 120 minutes now is that Carlos Hill absolutely definitively changes this Villa attack for the better. Yeah, it gives it a completely different dimension. Yes, he, he, you know, even though he's young and he's brand new to this team and probably doesn't speak English all that well, although that's an absolute assumption. I'm not entirely certain there. Um, he looks to be commanding that midfield in a way you would expect from an older, more experienced player. Yeah, he wants the ball. Yeah, absolutely. And and unlike, unlike a, I don't know, maybe cleverly, who will get the ball and look to pass it back or square, or, you know, it, he, always has, he always has the intent to attack. Yeah. We, even, even when we saw men just receiving the ball in midfield and going around, going around one defender and then taking a really a heavy tackle from another defender, it's just he's going to cause problems out there for the other team. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's a revelation there. And like Adam said again today, I keep going back to Adam's article because it's fresh in my mind, uh, what Villa really have to do now is make sure they have another creative presence on the pitch because if they don't, it becomes very easy to defend Hill. You just put two players on him and shut him down. And suddenly, that really, you know, deprives Villa of the spark that we get from him. Yeah, exactly. With with just one guy out there that they know is the danger man, it's it's easy to to stop him. You know, you can focus, get man mark him with two guys because Gabby's not going to do anything. You know. Exactly. The the nice thing is we know we have players capable of it. If Fabian Delph, you know, with the new contract, we could see sort of a renewed Fabian Delph, a guy who actually looks like he gives a damn. Uh, if Christian Benteke ever decided to flip and show up to a match, uh, he's a creative threat all on his own. So right there you've got three players, and it becomes much harder to stop Milla at that point. Yeah, and no, I, I kind of forgot. We didn't even see Delph in the last in the last game. It was funny yeah. how, the, how the club were making the announcement. We thought it was going to be Vlar because we thought there was there was no chance that Delph was staying, mostly. And they showed us a bald back of a head, and the lighting, you know, made it look sort of washed out. So, yeah, I, I got the Vlar thing, too. But, 
But yeah, we didn't have Delph in there, and yet this team looked even better. Um, I think you can do that same starting 11, my, uh, you know, sub out Guzan for given, uh, and swap Delph for Cleverly. I think so. I, th- I think that could work. And because, like, like we've been talking about with Vela, it's not that the first 11 is that poor, it's that when someone comes off the bench, they just give nothing. Yeah. Because we don't have anyone on the bench who can give anything. Yeah, so, absolutely. I mean, cleverly, the first midfield sub off the bench, that's perfectly fine with me. That's great. Exactly. And I think with fresh legs, he could be a little bit better. Exactly, uh, yeah. If you if you know you only have to go for for 30, you can be busting it on every run. Yeah. Um, I didn't get to see it all live, like I said. What were your thoughts on Kieran Richardson? Yeah, yeah. Richardson's not going to be in the first 11, I think, for... Sissoko comes he, back. He went in. He went in stupidly on a tackle, like like we've seen it was a lunge, mm-hmm. like we've seen him do. But I don't know. He he hasn't been bad, and I think he's another he's another player who coming off the bench. I'd be happy. I'd be happy to see him on the bench every time. You know, because yeah. like like we saw him playing attacking midfield at the beginning of the season. He didn't. He was he's good defending defending high up the pitch. You know, like that's that's a good attribute to have when. Your team's not scoring any goals. At least you're, at least you're having another competent defender out there. But I mean, with with Richardson, you know, you're not going to get too much in in an attacking in the attacking aspect. Yeah, um, we're just a little bit over halfway through this season. Three matches past halfway, um, and the Villa that we've seen in the past match and a half has been entirely different. Do you think this is the Villa we see going forward? Do you think the Villa we saw in the first half of the season is the team we can expect, or is it somewhere in between? Well, I, I don't think we're going to see it for the next two matches, and that's just because it's Arsenal and then Chelsea, but after that hole, and then we have a, a stretch of some very winnable matches. But yeah, I, I think I think somewhere in between is a good, a good assessment because... I mean, it, it's going to be a completely different team if they can get the confidence from scoring a couple goals. Yeah. Uh, do you think there's any way they score against an Arsenal? Yeah, I I, th- I think we score one. I don't think we score two, but and yeah, I, I, I th- definitely don't think we win. I think it's I think it's somewhere like three one. Yeah, I think uh, the best chance is what we were talking about with Vito. If Villa can hold them quiet for sixty minutes or so, you're going to see Arsenal start to open up. Especially because the fans will get restless. Exactly. And like you said, they're a club that is prone to just, you know, throwing it all out there and making stupid mistakes. If that's the case, if Carlos Hill can, you know, play smart like he has been, I think there really is a chance to get a counter-strike goal or two, get the win or the draw. Yeah, I think I think it'd be possible to nick a point because, yeah, either a, an early goal really early on where Arsenal... I think we could get two if we if we somehow score really early and Arsenal have to push, then that's going to open it for the counter, obviously, which not so much this season, but in years past under Lambert Villa have shown that they can have a very effective counter. Yeah, absolutely. And I think with with smarter midfield work and, and at least the right wing working decently well now, I think that counter could be a, a big factor again. Yeah, and, and Delph's great on the counter, really. That's, that's where he shines is where he can run 60 yards. Absolutely, and I'm eager to see what Hill looks like on the counter. Um, I don't I don't know if he really has the pace, uh, but he certainly has the positioning intelligence and the passing acumen to make him deadly on the counter. Yeah, de- more more of a link-up, some guy who can 
receive a pass and then spray it to a good a good place for someone else to run onto. You know, like he's not gonna uh, just go up the pitch on a on a forty yard or fifty yard delf run and avoid two tackles and then pass or shoot. You know, if but if you, say he gets it ten yards. 10 yards across midfield, he could find someone on the wing or find Benteke going forward. You know, like, what we were talking about with Benteke, he's been offside so much this season, maybe it's just because he's not getting good balls, you know? Yeah, not getting the ball in time. For exactly, instance. yeah. If, if, if he starts his run and no one out there is smart enough to play him the ball when he starts his run, he's obviously going to be offside. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right now, Villa are on a 38-point pace, which is what they finished with last year. Are you still confident that 38 points is well safe this year? I think so. I I think I think someone will survive with 34 really, just because looking at the table, league's so tight right now, and at the bottom, if so, just below Villa with 22, obviously we're level with West Brom. Below that, Sunderland, Burnley both have 20, and then Hull and QPR 19, and Leicester with 17. I mean, I, I think I think we'll see teams at the bottom make a surge, and those games when you have 15 versus 17 or around there. Those those six-pointers, those are really key. And, if I mean, if you can win those, obviously the teams are going to both be going for the win rather than a draw, which is a, kind of a point lost. Yeah, um, I absolutely agree. And and I think the heartening news is if you're okay with 38 points, not, not from a fan's perspective or entertainment perspective, but being safe, um, you know, I think it's... This Villa, I think, are a Villa that can get three from Hull, which would mean that if they do get those three from Hull, no matter what happens in the next two matches, we're still on that 38-point pace. Yeah, exactly, I th- and I think that's important because if if Villa can get a win, a couple wins here and there and in that stretch, then maybe that opens up the possibility of trying to make that FA Cup run because if it's, if it's tight in the league, if Villa slip into the relegation places... Uh, that's obviously going to change the focus, and that's it's actually one of the one of the Twitter questions we got from Jack Jasic and asking, would you accept relegation if Villa won the FA Cup? And I think I think both both said no. We'd both say no to that. Yeah, I I'm just a little worried that relegation is you know suddenly you have a much more compressed congested schedule. Um, you're doing so with less money. You lose Delph, Benteke, Vlar, probably Heal. Someone will probably want Heal. Yeah, I'm not sure you lose him right away, though. Um, I don't know how, many, how much wages he's on. I think anyone who's over 30K has got to be looked to get flogged off. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it becomes a worry. That said... has gone for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that said, this is not as obvious of a decision as both of us saying no make it sound. Because, you know, if Villa win the FA Cup, that's something that they've won. They haven't won anything in a long frickin' time. Yeah, and, exactly. And they're not going to be winning anything in the Premier League anytime soon. Um, so it's a matter of what do you value more, winning something or the prestige of playing in the Premier League? Yeah, and with with uh, the FA Cup draw having gone the way it went with Leicester in the next round, I think that's... I think that's winnable. That's going to be um, that weekend after we play Hull midweek and avoided Arsenal, avoided Liverpool, avoided Manchester United at least this round. So I think I think you I think you try to win that one. You send out your first eleven and you look at the, you look at the draw for the next one because that will be 
what the quarterfinals and if you if you can avoid Arsenal, Liverpool, and United again, you gotta you gotta fancy your chances really to get to to the semis. Yeah, absolutely. And Villa will know the outcome of uh, six of the matches or five of the matches rather, five of the eight matches before they play on Sunday um, against Leicester City. So they'll know. You know, is it because we've got Bradford City versus Sunderland or Fulham? Is it going to be a League One team, a Championship team, or Sunderland? Uh, you know, do Blackburn beat Stoke? Which of Derby and Reading advance? Can Bolton, if they can beat Liverpool, beat Crystal Palace? If you're looking at a pool, yeah, or or Palace could beat Liverpool. You know, exactly. And if you're Palace looking at a pool, have been on fire with, lately. I'd kind of be scared of Palace. Yeah, it's true. But if you're looking at a pool with a couple of championship clubs or maybe even a League One side, I think you absolutely go for it that Sunday morning. Yeah, exactly, because, yeah, maybe you get the winner of Derby Reading or even 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 the winner of West Brom, West Ham wouldn't be horrible. I, w I mean, I wouldn't want to play West Ham, but there, it could be worse. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love the fact that we could, if Cambridge United could pull off the shocker of the year, uh, we could be looking at a League One versus League Two match in the fifth round of the FA Cup. Oh, they they should have had it in the the first leg. They came, oh, so, yeah. they came so close, but yeah, absolutely. And and you've got to wonder if you're on the uh, Cambridge United board, are you mad or are you happy that you're getting the extra revenue from a game at Old Trafford? I mean, they they got the one and a half million pounds. They're spending it on toilets. I think they're thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't know. I think, yeah, I, th I think this this could be the year that, depending on how the next the draw from the next round goes, assuming we beat Leicester, that, or or maybe even if it's a replay and then you you see how the draw went, then yeah. then you kind of you kind of decide from there. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, I'm looking forward to the rubber match with Leicester too. Do you think either team keeps all eleven on the pitch? No, I, I hope not, because at least that will be entertaining. Is there any the, team in the Premier League you hate more than Leicester right now? Right now? No, not really. I Yeah, I even prefer West Brom to Leicester. Wait, who's West Brom? West Bromwich? <laughs> no. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> you played that so well. <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, Le yeah, Leicester, especially because of, of the tackle on Westwood, mostly. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and then the the scuffle with Vlar, and then the oh god, yeah, freaking hate Lester. Hate, hate, hate Lester. Um, more than I've hated a Premier League team in a long time, actually. Yeah, since... I, kind of, I kind of really despised Norwich when they were up. Yeah, but at least they were good for six points a year. I hope they come. I hope they come back up, so then we can <laughs> maybe break the forty point barrier next year. You know, we need but... those points. Um, another another question from Stevie Green. Uh, are Villa the first victims of financial fair play in terms of us trying to find a new buyer? Leave it to Stevie to give us a really nuanced question. Um, the gut reaction to this, I think, is yeah, it's been hurting Villa because of financial fair play. You can't, you can no longer buy a club and then just dump millions into it uh, without a reason to do so. However, with the way that Villa have been cutting the wage bill lately, the past couple years, and you look at financial fair play, how it's not all just you can't spend this much money one season, you can only lose 
what, $50 million over the three-season period. I think if, if Villa get it close to turning a profit for a year or two, then if a new owner comes in, they could spend a lot that year and then, you know, kind of, I don't know, kind of backdate it, I guess, maybe to, to kind of to offset it. Yeah. And then if, if somehow they they do well enough to get into the Europa League, do well enough in the FA Cup to get that Europa League spot, I mean, that's like that's like a $10 million almost of a boost yeah. that, that you're going to see there. And, and I think the one thing that gets lost in the narrative is because Villa have been so bad lately and attendance has been slightly down, we forget the fact that Villa are still a big money-generating club. Um, yeah, you were just looking at the numbers for that, too. Yeah, Deloitte Financial releases, what do they call it, the Football Money League, in which they look at clubs around the world and try to figure out who has the most revenue coming in. And uh, leading the world this year for the 10th year in a row were Real Madrid with nearly 550 million euros in revenue. Um, but surprisingly, Aston Villa were 22nd in the world with 133 million euros in the 2013-14 season. Um, so I'm not sure if Villa are as poorly off as we just sort of gut instinct believe. Yeah, is, is the term in, in the terms of European football in general, no, I don't think so. There's still what? What is that? Tenth in the Premier League? Mm-hmm. But you know, that's just—I mean, that's just because of the the TV deal, the way it is right now, and so lucrative. But yeah, if still still tenth in the league, you'd think they could spend a little more than they do right now, you know? But, yeah, absolutely. So I I think in a way, Stevie is getting at a good point there. That yeah, Villa are sort of victims of financial fair play here. It's harder to be a absurdly wealthy person and come in and just buy a team and make them successful in the Manchester City mold, for instance. But I don't think we're in a cripplingly bad enough position to prevent a buyer from coming in. No, I, I don't think so either. And especially if if you can get Nzogbia out, if you can get, I mean, Ben's gone, and just, just players like that getting the Deadwood out, and even, even Shea Given sucking up a whole lot of wages, but... I think, I, I don't know, if, if Villa win the FA Cup, I, I feel like they get a buyer this summer. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, maybe even if Villa make the finals of the FA Cup. Yeah, I, I don't know, maybe just need a, a little more exposure to... They've, they've gotten really lucky this FA Cup draw. I mean, a League One side, a championship side, the worst team in the Premier League, all three matches at home. I mean, the odds of them getting three home matches alone are just 12.5%. Yeah, I, th- I think we'll we'll be on the road if we get through. Yeah, it, it would be hard for that trend to keep going. Um, I don't know. You, of, you see the draws; those things always look like they're rigged. So you, I mean, the the odds of four straight home matches are six and a quarter percent. Uh, but actually, they're fifty percent right now. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's that's the thing. You can't really play, you know, the gambler's fallacy there. Every time it's set, it's a fifty percent odd. Just like uh, what what Tom Fox said about firing Paul Lambert. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not sure what we're talking about, a quote came out just before we went on air in which uh, Tom Fox said, "Sacking Lambert would be like flipping a coin." So Jack and I couldn't figure out what he meant there. You've yeah, got to figure out whatever way. No idea. So uh, I I think what he's trying to say is, you know, you know what you have here, and if you flip a coin, you you may end up with crap. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I can see I can see what he meant from that point, but it's still kind of kind of confusing. Uh, the la- the last question we got was from Ali Dawes asking about Daniel Johnson, and because he has just been sold to Preston, who I mean, they still they got to win the replay against Sheffield, but they could play the winner of Cambridge United, Manchester United. But anyways, um. Not really a lot of information about Daniel Johnson. I think I've seen him play once in a friendly, maybe. But uh, this year in in League One, through 17 appearances, he had three goals and seven assists from central midfield. So, I mean, I guess he's got an eye for goal. And from what what I've read about him, he's a strong strong center midfielder, left-footed. And, I mean, it's kind of too bad that Villa sold him permanently. I would have liked to see him come through. Obviously, Youth Academy product. Yeah, that was the problem. When I saw Ollie sent that in, I tried to rack my brain. I think I have literally never seen Daniel Johnson play. Um, but again, like you said, from all the reports I've read, he's strong, he's young, he's got a lot of potential. Um, I just can't tell you if that's verifiable with the eye test at all. Yeah, I mean, it's impossible to tell, really. I, yeah, I, I try to know everything I can about this club, and there's still things that it's just like, I there's no way I can tell you anything about that kid. Um, other than what I've read. Yeah, I mean, I, I could tell you I'd rather I'd rather we hadn't sold him, but... Yeah, exactly. It's, it's one of those things that there was no real compelling reason to sell him. He was... Well, maybe, maybe he said, yeah, I'm sick of getting loaned out, you know, and... That could be. And, and, you know, maybe they're doing a solid by him, because he's... The midfield is sort of stacked right now. I don't see him making his way in at any time. No, at least, at least not in the next two years, which probably would be his goals. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, maybe it's for that reason that they let him go. Um, but it, it's one of those things that, you know, he wasn't on bad wages or anything. It's not like we had him on crazy wages because he was an Academy product. Um, so I don't see the compelling reason to sell unless it's just a matter of you won't be making the first team. Let's get you somewhere where you can. Yeah, I, th- I think I think that is probably what the case was. But... um. Yeah, I mean, I guess that that was uh, our Twitter questions for the week, and we, we already did Arsenal. Do we, do we have anything else that we wanted to talk about? One last thing. Do you see any transfers happening before the window closes Monday night? Oh, yeah, transfers, of course. Um, so <laughs> the it's weird. The window is not closing until February 2nd, which, like, okay. I guess <laughs> they, they've decided to do that for some reason. They I mean, they did it in the, the summer as well, but... Um, I don't know. I, th- I think maybe Villa could surprise this, you know, especially if we've heard about Nzogbia going to Everton on loan, and, you know, I think if, if Nzogbia leaves, I think we we could maybe have the money for Scott Sinclair. Yeah. it's and Maybe it won't even be Scott Sinclair. Maybe it'll be someone else, but... Villa have been too quiet. Everyone knows they need one more piece, and there hasn't been a good, even half-believable rumor since we signed Heal. Exactly. There there haven't even been any links, you know? Like, you'd at least, even if they weren't going to do something, you'd, I mean, you'd figure some links would be popping up. Yeah, absolutely. There there was a thing that sort of half-gained steamed on the internet about us signing uh, Porto's Rolando, who's a central defender. And given where Villa are right now, they're not selling Vlar, so they've got five first-choice central defenders, three of whom are currently healthy. That's not a move that makes any sense at this point. That's a move for the summer, maybe. Um, 
and that's been the best rumor I've seen thus far, and it, it makes no sense whatsoever. Yet, that's too quiet for me. I think something happens between now and Monday. Yeah, you feel, you feel like something's just going on just because it's so quiet, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And Paul Lambert has been known to do that before. I mean, Benteke sort of came out of nowhere. Yeah, everyone's came out of nowhere. Yeah, Carlos Heel. Uh, you know, oh my god, where did we pick up on this guy? And within about, I think it was five days from when we had heard the rumor to when Villa were pretty much confirmed to be signing the kid. Yeah, so I mean, I think I think maybe something something comes in deadline day. I'm sure if if they're thinking about doing something, they're scouting players or t- obviously talking to other clubs. But you know, maybe maybe just still still keeping it a bit quiet. Yeah, absolutely. I I think there's something else there, and of course we will. We're we're trying to figure out our deadline day coverage now, but we will make sure we have someone around on the site giving you everything you need on deadline day. Yeah, just just in case Villa actually do decide to do something. Yeah, and and I think they will. I I think you know at the very least I think there's an outgoing move in them. I think so. Yeah, and it, even if that is Vlar being sold somewhere, I mean he's he's he is injured right now, but clubs have bought injured players before. Yeah, absolutely. I I think Vlar's value is sort of plummeted. Uh, yeah, I with think that it's injury. like two million probably right now. I mean, yeah. I, honestly, I hope he does sign a new contract like like Delph. Even if even if they do get sold in the summer, at least they'll be getting sold for actually a decent price. You know, a little part of me, I'll be entirely honest, a little part of me wants to see him go just because I don't want Lambert to be tempted to break up a Cora Clark. Yeah, and yeah, I agree. And if I mean that would mean we'd need a new central defender in the summer, but I mean that's okay. I, guess, I don't, I don't see I don't see Senderos being useful for more than one more year, really. I guess my issue is I would like the idea of Lar providing competition for Akora and Clark. My worry is that the moment he's healthy, he's going to slot back in automatically, and I don't think, given the play this season, he's earned that. I think Clark and Akora have earned that starting position, and it worries me that you know Lambert will just fall back on Vlar and break that up without. And, yeah, and it's, it's tough because he is the captain. Yeah, exactly, and God knows I think we need a new captain. Um, you need someone who can actually be on the pitch without getting injured for a week or two. Yeah, or sent off. Yeah, exactly. So um, I'm to the point where I'm almost sort of hoping Vlar goes just because of the way I think Lambert will use him, not because I have any dislike of Ron Vlar. I think he's a really useful piece, and he could honestly be our one of our top two central defenders, but I like keeping Akora and Clark together. Yeah, they've, uh, they've been playing so well, it would be really silly to break them up. I think there's a chance, given the fact that they each have a couple of years on their contract, I think there's a chance that you cement them as one of the top center-back pairings in the Premier League if you keep them together over the next season or two. Yeah, if, I mean, if they if they can stay healthy, they're both still really young and just still obviously developing every week. Yeah, if, if you can get better, if you can convince them to stick around... I honestly think that they are a core around which you can build this club for a decade. Yeah, especially I mean, especially with Westwood and Sanchez ahead of them, it's 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 obviously shown in the results that Villa haven't conceded a ton of goals this year. Exactly. Um, there's there's a lot to be said for that there, and that's I guess that's why I'm so defensive about Acora and Clark. I, they may not be our best option at this moment, but they're really good, and I think keeping them together is a great move for the future. Yeah, definitely, and uh, I mean, as long as Villa are going to survive. 
Yeah. Uh, and and if Villa don't it. survive, keeping them together is even more important because neither of them is on absurd wages. Um, they're the kind of defenders who could play, they're physical, tough defenders who could actually handle the championship decently well. Yeah, and, and for the championship, you would need five central defenders, but, I mean, yeah. you'd, have, you'd bring someone else in, and then, then Senderos is fine. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, I yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing Blair head out. It's not going to happen this January, though, but I'm okay just letting him go at the end of the season. Thanks for your help. He's been good. He's been great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't entirely expensive. Oh, yeah, one one last thing. I, I mean, we haven't seen Jack Grealish. We haven't seen those links really develop into anything. I still don't think he's going to stay around, though. Yeah, I still keep waiting for him to go on loan. You're right. Um, he could be that outgoing move. If only because I think he does need some more development. I think he needs to be playing regularly. Um, yeah, he, he, just, he just needs to be playing football, so then he can be happy playing football. Yeah. <laughs> eggs. Uh, you know, and, and so, yeah, I do want to see him loaned out. I would like to see him playing for Villa, but you know what? I get it. Um, I've finally come to terms with that. Let's see him loaned out so he can get match experience for the rest of the year. Yeah, so he, then he can play next year, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the idea of him being good and pairing up with Carlos Hill is joyful. Yeah, that's that's what we want to see, but, I mean, it's, it's not going to happen right now, obviously, because Lambert won't play him, and... He's not ready to play every week in the Premier League, even if even if we want him to. No, yeah, exactly. So send him out on loan. Get him somewhere. Preston North End. So Lambert, loan Grealish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, the final word today, loan Grealish. All right. Um, remember, we're still on iTunes, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, and YouTube, of course. So remember to subscribe and... For Robert Lintot, I've been Jack Grimsley. Thanks for joining us on the whole cast.